time for Wednesday's hour number two on Hashtag Daily K with your host, Peter Bint. Korean dramas, movies and even lyrics. Why is the world paying attention to Korean stories? From classics to modern masterpieces, time to dig deep into the charms of Korean literature. On Check It Out! With Paul. It's another rainy Wednesday. I feel like many of our days are full of the stuff falling from the sky. But Paul has made it, and you're looking relatively dry as well, sir. Oh, yeah, it's not that rainy today. It's, it's not it bad. could be worse. It's all fine. I mean, it's just hot. It it's, is. It's sticky. hot and wet. Yeah, I don't like the discomfort index rising with the yes. humidity. But but hey, it's nice and cool in the studio. I'm happy to be here. I'm amongst friends and. Sitting next to you as well. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I saw the other day, we're British, so we should be experts on umbrellas. Yes. That's the stereotype. Yes. I saw one. Yes. That, you know, you usually have the handle yes. at the bottom. Yes. Right? And then you open it up. Yes. This one. Yes. When you closed it. Yes. The handle was seemingly on the top of the umbrella. Yes. Have you seen one like that, an upside-down no. umbrella? Do you know what the reason is? It's not just to be different and contrary. to let it dry out. It, it, it folds so that water... You know when you fold a normal umbrella, say you're trying to get into the car, you fold it, then all the water like flows down yeah, from yeah. the umbrella onto you. This folds the other way round, so it yeah. collects in the bowl, basically, yeah. and then you can get it in the car. I don't know what you then do with the water that's in the bowl in your umbrella. You tip it I out. Thought, I guess you open the window, yeah, when you're somewhere dry. And no, you just out. open the door. You don't open the window. Yeah, but then it'll rain on you again. You don't want to get rained on. Not even one droplet, Paul. It could ruin my hair. Why are we talking <laughs> about this, Peter? I'm Why? sorry. I was just really amazed by this umbrella. I've been wanting to share that information with somebody, anybody, and you're the first person. Oh, you thank should you. Feel I feel special. I feel privileged, Peter. Very, uh, very privileged. Aaron says every time I hear Paul's voice on the ads during the breaks, it makes me realise how much I miss tuning in on Wednesdays to this segment. Peter and Paul, my favourite tune. Oh, thanks, Aaron. Yeah, it's much better when it's me by myself. But yeah. I'm. I'll, I mean, I'll be with Peter if I have to. <laughs> thank you very much. Alan McCade is also on board. I think for the first time, saying Peter and Paul are the coolest. Oh, thanks, Alan. You've got great taste, Alan. Keep tuned in. We've got a Korean literature treat for you. We're continuing on with our summer short stories. Uh, we are, and I've got to give a shout out to Leon because uh, he's given a fun fact on the YouTube live stream yeah. that I featured another book before with exactly the same title as today. And Leon, you are absolutely correct. I think it was two years ago. Uh-huh. We featured a book called Poor Man's Wife, and uh, you're right, it was by Eun Hee Kyung, translated by Jansen he today's poor man's wife bin cho is by hyunjin gon translated by sora kim russell no relation in terms of the books no to one two another. very very different stories this time we've got a struggling writer mm-hmm. and his wife who's struggling to get him to earn a living oh and we get a peek at what it might be like to live as a struggling artist uh, back in the 1920s 100 years ago oh wow during the japanese occupation nonetheless interesting good spot leon you are really on I'm it i'm very impressed every single wednesday as well 
as with all the books I think in this summer series, is this one available to read for free online? Absolutely, all free online. Just search for Poor Man's Wife, Sora Kim Russell. That's the easiest way. You can search for Hyun Jin Gon, H-Y-U-N. J-I-N hyphen G-E-O-N but you won't necessarily find it as easily. Yes. Okie dokie. And that's all, I think, most of these books on the Career Translation Literature Literature Translation Institute website. Yeah, yes. Okie dokie. The author's name does not ring a bell because Jingon is one of my cousin's names and I'm sure I would have remembered him being mentioned. This isn't my cousin though. Okay, I'm, I'm Sorry for your cousin, because we've featured him twice before. Oh, Jingon, my cousin, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah this is our third time featuring oh, Hyun Jingon. He was born in sorry. Daegu in 1900. <laughs> uh, son of a postmaster. He was a good student. He actually <laughs> went to Tokyo to study. Okay. And after he graduated high school, he went to study in Shanghai. Oh. And then got his first story, Sacrifice Flower, published in 1920. And then he went on to become a journalist. And so he was writing for newspapers and also writing stories. He was part of the new literature movement of the 1920s. And actually, his pen name was Bingho. Okay. Um, he did spend a year in prison, though. Uh, there was an incident where uh, he and reporters erased a Japanese flag from a shirt of a gold medalist, uh, Song Ki-jong, at the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Oh, we've talked about that episode yes. many times on K-Stream for his- history portions. Yeah. He so was part of that group. He was part of that <gasps> group who went, no, he's not Japanese, he's Korean. Wow. Um Sadly, he died in 1943 at the tender age of 44. But he does leave behind some fantastic short stories, some brilliant novels. Um, The ones we featured before were A Lucky Day and Home. Mm. So you can check those out as well. He is a fantastic author. I remember those books. And it was because he had his pen name, Bingha, that I got confused. Yeah, move on. That's what moved me. Uh, Sorry, Kim Russell, we've had the pleasure of having her in our studio. I hope we get her back as well one day. Uh, Yes, uh, she's a regular on the show in terms of translation. uh, And, you know, we've we've sung her praises many, many times. She teaches translation as well as translating herself. Uh, I mean, uh, like a a couple of dozen short stories over over a... 10 Korean novels so far, some of the biggest and best authors, uh, one of our faves. We love her. She's brilliant. If you're listening, thanks for all the translations. Absolutely. Looking forward to this one as well. So it's a short story. I assume we're starting towards the beginning. It's a very good place to start. Indeed. Here's our first excerpt. My wife was muttering to herself as she rummaged through the armoire. What are you looking for? I asked. I was sitting idly at my desk, browsing my bookshelf. I thought I still had a jacket left, the the one made from Chinese silk. I didn't say anything. I knew why she was looking for it. She was going to ask the old woman next door tonight to pawn it for her. I hadn't been bringing in any money for the past two years. And since we couldn't just starve to death, she had no choice but to cart all of our furniture and clothing to the pawn shop, or leave it standing in a corner of the scrapyard in exchange for cash. And now she was searching for a one remaining silk jacket so she could procure tomorrow's breakfast. I smacked my lips, turned over the book I was reading, and sighed. Though spring was half over, 
Cold, damp air was still creeping into the corners of the room at night and wrapping around us. And I don't know if it was on account of the rain, but there didn't seem to be anyone out and about despite the fact that the nights were growing shorter. The whole world seemed emptied out, and the constant drip, drip of the rain filled me with sad thoughts. Damn it, to hell with it all! Unable to bear the sadness, I muttered curses to myself and combed my dishevelled hair back with my fingers. But cursing only made me more miserable. I sighed again, rested my head on my left arm, and closed my eyes. Welcome to Arirang Radio. If you are in Jeju, 88.7 in Jeju City. 88.1 in Sogipu City. 101.9 in the Daejeon area. And lots of messages in response to that first reading, Paul. Miss Braddock is saying, oh, it sounds like a really sad state of affairs. Yeah, you can really feel the struggles of this couple. So you can. Get your violins out. Leon says, makes me think it's better to be passionate or maybe is it better to be practical? It's like it's still relatable in the present times as well. Yeah. Also makes me think if a job as an artist is still regarded as a poor career choice, I think many like academic-focused parents still don't really encourage their kids to go the artistic route. Look, I'll be honest, mm. I'm an artist in that I work in theatre. Yes. It is a poor career choice. <laughs> Very few of us actually make any success. Mm. I'm one of the lucky ones. Mm. Um, you know, if you want to be famous, there's very little chance of that happening. Sure. I, but I'm able to make a living as an artist, and I know how lucky I am. Yeah. When, I was a, when I was a kid and I made this choice, I had to make a promise to myself. Mm-hmm. I had to make the promise that I was willing to have no money, to have nothing. If I uh-huh. wanted to do this, chances were it was not going to end well. Oh, wow. So you just did it for the passion, for the joy. I did. I, there was nothing nothing else I could do. Wow. And uh, I'm very lucky that I'm here now, you know, a couple of decades on and still doing what I'm doing. Did your parents have anything to say about it? I, I think they respected my choice, but they certainly were worried about me. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think, Leon, still in 2022, it's a very poor career choice. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. My sunlight seems to be edging towards that, like being more creative. But I want to say... At the moment, definitely, I'm supporting him. And I want to say that I, I want him to pursue whatever he wants to. Mm. I hope he doesn't end up blaming me when he's like 40 oh, he and will. penniless. He will. Uh, Leon also says, luckily, the artist has seemingly got a supporting and understanding wife. But, of course, there will probably still be moments where they quarrel about things, uh, thinking maybe it's better to get a job with more stable pay. You could be right, Leon. Mm. You could be right. Okie dokie. So, the story starting off in the setting, we don't hear too many details. It seems like he is definitely not happy with the situation. No. It seems like she, at least in this reading, is not like complaining about things, just getting on with practical ways to raise some funds. Yeah, selling and stuff. her clothes. Yeah, she's going to run out of those soon, surely. She already has. Oh, dear. Well, is there any hope around the corner? Is he going to get off his bum? Well, you want it to, because mm. this is a bad start. Yeah. Um, luckily, that there is a little light um, in their lives and okay. with their friend T. Uh, who stops by um, okay. to visit Kay, the narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, Kay 
doesn't visit his family anymore because they, they're, they're always frowning and oh, they're expecting him to beg. And mm. he never begs, he says. Oh. He never begs. Okay. But uh, he's not comfortable. Mm. And the thing is, they compare T to him because yeah. T's around the same age, but he's got money. Okay. And Kay, the aspiring writer, has nothing. Oh, and his parents are always saying, you know, make money, start making money. Mm. But they've basically given up from him. Oh, dear. So when T comes to visit, It's a nice moment, okay. even though he has to force himself to laugh and, and force himself to tell funny stories. Mm-hmm. So T comes over and he yeah. brings this parasol he's just bought for his wife. Oh. A, a beautiful parasol. He okay. shows it to Kay, shows it to his wife. His wife looks at it and says, it's handsome. And she looks and looks and says, I want one too. Is she talking about the parasol? Yes. Not the guy. No, but okay. the lifestyle perhaps. Mm. So T stays for a chat, and after he leaves, Kay's wife timidly asks him to find some way to make a living. And then she normally doesn't speak up like this. Oh. But the parasol has got to her. Oh, it's, it's a bit random. Things. But the parasol has stimulated her desire. Well, because it's so beautiful, and she has nothing left. Mm. They've sold all her clothes, all Oof. her belongings. Um, And he brushes her off. He says, I can't just start making money when you order me to. And then Mm. she gets angry and that riles him up. And he shouts at her and blames her for choosing to marry an artist instead of a day labourer. She knew what she was getting into is his argument. Yeah, but then in his heart, he's really sad about how his wife feels. Yeah, any good husband would feel really, really stressed out by this, I feel. Is he a good husband? We shall see. Oh, Um, It turns out that jacket, that silk jacket she was looking for, she's Mm -hmm. already pawned it. She forgot. And now she suddenly remembers. Oh no. And he asks her if she's fed up of living in poverty, and that turns into another argument. <laughs> and we learn they've been together for six years, since she was 16, he was 18. Uh-huh. And she's done everything she could for him. Oh, he, a good supportive wife. He upped and left her after the wedding, um, soon after to go and travel around Japan and China to increase his knowledge oh, and spend all his money. He returned penniless, and yet she still took him back. It's very irresponsible. Yeah, and so she has to look after him. She's begged and borrowed from her parents. She's made do with very little. It's all taken a toll on her, and maybe it's reached a, a point of, well, a point of no return. Oh, dear. Let's find out in the second reading. Consequently, my wife, who'd been so patient, had recently taken to long, dramatic sighs. She would stand on the porch, a hand on the doorknob, and stare out at the distant mountains, or pause in the middle of sewing and sit there blankly, like she'd lost the heart to continue. I often caught sight of her worried, tear-filled eyes reflected in the glass as the day drew to dusk outside the windows. Once, when that happened, lonely, indescribable thoughts filled my head. And I called out to her, Honey! She was startled and turned to look at me, wiping her tears with the hem of her long skirt. Yes, she said, her fragile voice trembling with tears. I felt like someone had dumped a bucket of cold water down my back and I shivered, bleak thoughts sending a chill through my heart. My tendency to lower myself worsened and I thought, it's my fault for being talentless. When I put myself down like that, the situation became even more unbearable. I was not without sympathy for what she was feeling, but I grew upset and muttered to myself, women are impossible. 
These thoughts loomed up one by one in my mind as if through a projector and I lost the nerve to say anything. Now even my sole comforter and faithful follower had stopped believing in me. She was probably thinking, I wasted six years of my life, carved the flesh from my bones and sliced it up for him, that hateful man. It felt like the flames of her love for me were on the wane. Or rather, it seemed those flames had died out without a trace long ago. In a flurry of sentiment, I said, Why would I want you to suffer? Of course I want to give you silk clothes and fancy parasols. That's why I study all day without rest. Others may think I do nothing all day, but it's not true. They don't know. I was removing my strong mask inch by inch and revealing my weak inner self and I even offered up an absurd plea. I don't care if the whole world ridicules me and puts me down, but if my own wife stops believing in me as well, I don't know what I'll do. Moved by my words, I let out a long sigh ah! and flung myself to the floor. My wife, who was probably hanging her head and biting her lip, called out in a trembling voice, Honey! and threw herself on top of me. Forgive! She started to speak, but the sobs welling up in her throat stopped her, and she pressed her burning hot cheek against mine as she cried. The tears that sprang from her eyes felt warm between our cheeks. Tears spilled from my eyes as well. My troubled thoughts melted away like spring snow in our warm tears. After a while, we wiped our eyes. I felt like a burden had been lifted. I had no idea you felt that way. Please forgive me, my wife said, her swollen eyes blinking as if in pain. No matter how poor we are, I could never be fed up with you. I devoted my life to you. I gazed at my wife's blotchy, tear-streaked face as she quietly pleaded with me. And at last, I felt some relief. Oh, he's come out strongly there. Kind of guilt tripping her, I feel. Yep. And it seems like it's worked as well. It, it does seem to work. And okay. quite frankly, this is where I started uh, not liking Kay as much as I did. Okay. He seems quite manipulative oh, in the way he's behaving. Quite guilt trippy, passive aggressive, mm. putting the blame on her and making her blame herself for his own actions. Mm. A bit like a spoilt brat. It does a little feel boy. that way. And the next morning, his wife's parents' housekeeper rushes to their house. She reminds them it's Kay's father-in-law's birthday, admonishing oh. them, you know, why have you forgotten? Oh, dear. And his wife tells Kay that they have to go. He says, you, you go by yourself, but she insists okay. we're going together. She's only got a shabby cotton dress and cheap shoes left to wear. Oh, no. But she's smiling brightly as they walk to her parents' house. Okay. Kay's marching ahead of her and she's sort of struggling to keep up. Mm -hmm. And he ends up arriving um, before her, greeted by his sister-in-law, okay. saying, so where's my sister? <laughs> and she finally arrives. And she looks haggard, oh, more yeah. haggard than before. And he compares the two of them. One sister, a flower in full bloom. His wife, the other sister, a dried up fallen leaf. His fault, though. Well, yes. <laughs> so they go inside. He refuses food and just drinks himself into a stupor. No. Insists on going home instead of sleeping on the couch. Mm -hmm. Falls asleep in a rickshaw and wakes up to find his wife already at home, having prepared food for him. Food he, she brought from her parents' table. Oh, she's so lovely. He eats. And when he finishes, she starts to eat. And he realises she's waited for him all that time. She's oh. not eaten before him. Wow. 
And they talk, and they talk warmly. And they discuss how her sister-in-law, well, she's rich, but her husband beats her <gasps> and goes off to see the Giseng. Uh, you know, these, uh, these girls mm. who um, uh, will entertain you. <laughs> yes. Uh, they may have money, but they're not happy. Mm. And a few days later... The sister-in-law comes by the house and she brings a pair of new shoes oh. and some beautiful silk fabric for Kay's wife. Okay. And says, I thought, I thought you'd like these. And then she rushes back home to her husband and Kay's wife unwraps the shoes mm. and she is utterly delighted. Oh. It's that face when she saw the parasol all over again and Kay starts to ponder how much his wife... has really suffered. Oh, okay. We'll get to that in the third and final reading. Now, all about Korea. Arirang Radio. I answered her as if everything was fine, but inside I felt sad that my wife should find joy and satisfaction in a new pair of shoes given to her by someone else rather than purchased for her by her husband. But for some reason, this time, I didn't feel that unhappy. I thought about the way my sister-in-law had spoken ill of her husband only to rush out, worried that he would be kept waiting if she missed her train. When I considered that, I could understand how my wife felt. She had no choice but to try to be satisfied with intangible happiness, but the truth is that it wasn't enough. All she could do was be patient. I had to keep that in mind, and when I did think about that, I regretted the things I'd said to my wife the day before. Someday, I'll be able to repay you for everything you've done for me, I thought. I decided to be more understanding, and I said to her, I wish I could hurry up and become successful so I can buy you a pair of silk shoes. What? It was the first time she'd ever heard me say anything like that. She stared at me wide-eyed, like she didn't trust her own ears, and her face flushed a little. It won't be long, she said with fervor. You really think so? I asked. I felt a little excited. Of course, absolutely. She alone appreciated me deeply, the nameless writer whose work no one yet cared about. That was how she had come this far, resisting the powerful instinctive urge for material things and helping me without a frown. Ah, oh, my angel who comforts and supports me! I shouted those words inside my head, threw my arms around my wife and pulled her close to me. Then a warm kiss. From her eyes and my eyes alike, tears spilled. like a kettle boiling over. I'm going to echo Leon's comments saying, I love Paul's reading. I can picture the whole scene in my mind. Yeah, very vividly. And and this is the end of the book, is it? This is, well, it's a short story, not even a book. Yes, this is the very, very end, the last lines. Um, It seems happy, the conclusion, maybe a bit hopeful. I think on the surface, yes. I mean, they've survived six years of hardship, and Mm. maybe now he's learning how to properly behave in their relationship. Mm. But the sting in the tale for me is when in his mind he shouts... 
Ah, my angel who comforts and supports me. Yes. And yet never says those words out loud. I, I'd like if we if we you know put him in a positive light. If we were to do that, maybe he feels like he can't say that, or he's too shy or embarrassed. If we look at it in a more negative way, maybe yeah, he's not saying it for a reason. Maybe yeah. to assert some control. I think something. we have to look at traditional relationship culture in Korea. Mm-hmm. And if we go back, I remember a, a teacher of mine, a, a director, was talking about how. Uh, how he would never say I love you to his wife. He'd mm. insult her. Oh. And that would be the affectionate thing to do. Insulting her. Yes. I can't <laughs> use the words on the radio because they're, they're, they're quite vulgar. Wow. Did he explain why? Yeah, because that was the way of showing affection that you, w- you could never really say the things you wanted to say oh. as a man. Amazing. Um, so I think there's, there could be part of that there. Mm. And, he, and he does seem to improve over yeah. these couple of days. He is getting better. But in 2022, you want to shout at him and say, just tell her that. If you yeah. tell her that, she will love you all the more. So it's beautiful and it's sad, um, but it's really interesting. I feel it's still relevant today, mm. even though it, it's a traditional, you know, it's 100 years ago in, in, in traditional Korea during Japanese occupation. But yeah, I, I feel like I can understand both sides of this, about yeah. this woman who's devoted her life to him because she believes in him. Mm. And this rather arrogant at times struggling writer who... Also, his intentions are good, but he just can't find the way to make his dream work. Yeah, maybe there are these kind of stereotype couples portrayed in pop culture sometimes. The arrogant, failed or not yet successful artist and the woman who's doting on them, rightly or wrongly. Aaron says, I love the honesty of this story and I'm really curious as to how it ends, but it seems to leave a lot to the imagination. And I do love an ending like that on a hopeful note, but still has you very curious. at the same time yes and uh, got Sherry Russell saying fantastic reading oh thank you you are the master of the spoken word Benny's saying the words are amazing in the second excerpt thank you thank you everyone uh, I want to say he was an amazing writer mm-hmm. um, his stories are always fascinating he always finds an interesting aspect to his characters um, and he left us too soon at the age of 44 in 1943 yeah. however there is actually a secret little tribute to him here in Seoul oh wow Um, You see, he lived in Buamdong, in Jongno, in Seoul, from 1937 to 1943. Oh, wow. The house he lived in was demolished. Okay. But in 2015, it was transformed into a garden that's open to the public. And it's sort of hidden away in these back alleys in the center of old Seoul. Mm -hmm. If you're watching on the live stream, you can see an image of a performance uh, given in that garden. Wow. Um, A beautiful place. And perhaps when you go to visit, you can... ponder and contemplate his brilliant work as an author as you wander amongst nature. Um, I mean, I haven't been there yet. In fact, I only discovered this after reading the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, I, I believe that that photo is perhaps taken from uh, a live performance in 2020 when the Seoul Philharmonic Orchestra performed there. Wow. Um, because during the pandemic, they were doing all sorts of online concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on my list of places to visit. I didn't know this existed 
Um, you should have really read this short story in the garden, Paul. If you were the responsible guest, you would have done that. Shall I just go? Do you want me to just go now? I can go. I think it would be all the more meaningful. But I think that's a good tip for maybe our our, uh, listeners who are going to come to Korea. If you do pay a visit in central Seoul, in the heart of Seoul, to find a garden like that is not that easy. Yes, Jen, if you're listening, video for tomorrow, please. Just just head there now. That would be lovely, Jen, actually, one time, especially if there's a performance and you're right you know Leon mentioned it earlier about the struggle between choosing whether to go for your passion maybe art or a stable job that's still relevant but I feel like maybe it shouldn't be but it still is there might be relationships like this where the man is in a position of power kind of abusing that in a way Mm. and the wife doting maybe needlessly this would be a good time to reflect on what that really means. And yeah. maybe we can see the improvement in the uh, the writer there I as think well. so. I think at the end it's a hopeful story, mm. um, but I also feel really sorry for her. Yes. She's struggled a lot over the last six years. <laughs> she seems a little trapped there. Thank you ever so much for your readings, Paul. Uh, thank you. Thanks to everyone. Thanks, as always, to the Literature Translation Institute of Korea for the help with copyright permission for this broadcast. Thank you to Hyun Jin Gon for his brilliant writing and Sora Kim Russell for her beautiful translation. Next week, another uh, summer short story special. It's Three Paths. Mm-hmm. Uh, Three Paths by Chairman Shik, translated by Jamie Chang. It's only seven pages long. So get to reading, kids. Wow. It's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a short one, but a good one. Three paths. Chaymanchik, translated by Jamie Chang. No excuses not to read that. Uh, Paul, have a fabulous week, and we will see you next Wednesday. I'll be back then. Goodbye. You can listen to Check It Out with Paul Matthews on Adidang Radio's hashtag Daily K every Wednesday from 10 a.m. KST.